You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. The kingdom of God is advancing right now in our, in our, in our community, through our church, and then across the world. It started when Jesus came and inaugurated the kingdom of God, which is what we're going to continue to talk about this morning. We looked at the parable of the sower the last two weeks, and uh, this morning in just a moment, we'll flip to Matthew chapter 13. We're not going to look at one, two, but three parables. They're connected, and so I'll get us out of here before brunch. As Taylor was talking about brunch, my stomach began to grumble. I'll get us out in time, but these three parables are crucial to understand what the kingdom of God in Another word of the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of heaven. In fact, his very first words in the gospel of Mark are, repent, for the kingdom of God is what? Near. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God. His very presence brought the kingdom of heaven here on earth, and it's still continuing to advance. These are the end times. After Jesus, the kingdom of God came, and we're also expecting the kingdom of God to come into its fulfillment when Jesus comes back. The second coming of Christ will fulfill the kingdom of God here on earth when the new heavens meets the new earth. That will be a glorious day. There will be some hardship. We'll talk about that this morning. But what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's so important. If we, as followers of Jesus, are called to advance the kingdom of God, we should know what the kingdom of heaven is like. I think about what Jesus wrote. In uh, Matthew 6, 33, well, Matthew wrote it. Jesus said it. He said this about the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above what? Above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Think about that. If we seek not our own welfare, not the welfare even of those around us or our success, but if we seek what? The kingdom of God above everything and live righteously. He will provide us with absolutely everything that we need. What then does the kingdom of heaven look like? Well, if I was Jesus, which I am not, I would compare the most powerful kingdom on that's ever existed on the planet earth to, I don't know, something like the biggest animal that's ever existed or a powerful, you know, uh, machinery thing or something fast and big and, you know, impactful. Instead, Jesus says in Matthew 13 that the kingdom of God is like wheat, like a mustard seed, and what's the third? A strain of yeast. Hmm. If I have your attention, then that is why we're going through these parables where Jesus shares simple stories that explore these deep truths. The best storyteller of all time. He knew that we love stories. And when he shared stories, that it would connect with our minds. Okay, you, you got my attention, Jesus. Tell me more. What is the kingdom of heaven like? Let's start reading in Matthew 13. Verse 24, he just told the parable of the sower, which again, we talked about the last two weeks. And then Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like 
a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, again, we just talked about the parable of the sower. So we know a thing or two about the good soil, about this seed that falls on good soil, which is when a person accepts the word of God and starts following Jesus. This is good. Uh, but, verse 25, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. So the seeds grow wheat, and then the enemy came and he sowed weeds among them. And uh, the enemy went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this. He replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No. He answered, Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. What is Jesus talking about? The kingdom of heaven is like wheat and, and then these weeds that sprouted. Here's, here's the, the, the number one thing that comes to my mind. Not everything that's healthy grows. When, when something healthy grows, unhealthy things grow too. Think about cancer. Many of you know that firsthand, either in your family or you personally, have, have, have had something grow within you that is not good. It's interesting that Jesus is saying, hey, 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 there is going to be evil around you. And does he say, pull it up? No, he says, wait, why? Well, let's go down to verse 34 to talk about the rest of this parable. And then we'll jump into the other two. So we're going to zoom down to 34 when he explains the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And then we'll talk about the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. They all go together. Here we go. Verse 34. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowds in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables, will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. That's Psalm 78. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and, and said, what most of us are asking today, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. I love how they seek. They don't say, oh, Jesus said it. All right, I'm not going to. No, no, they're, they're seeking wisdom here and understanding. And then in verse 37, Jesus answered, the one who sow the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the age. That's the second coming of Christ. And the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be. It's not right now, but it will be at the end of the age. If you want to read more about this, Revelation 14. I'm not going to get into it this morning, but you can read it for yourself. That's what the end times are going to look like. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. 
They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, whoever has ears, let them here. Aren't you glad you came this morning? If you are visiting for the first time, you're like, I knew he was going to preach fire and brimstone. The reality is, this is true. And so I, I am preaching that hell is a real place, that weeping and gnashing of teeth, that this blazing furnace is going to come. And I'm also saying that Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of heaven because he came to save us from that place. He came to rescue us. And as followers of Jesus, what's our job? Our job is not to pull out the weeds. Our job is to remain as wheat, for that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. I believe it's a word for us today because there's evil all around us. There, there, there are bad things happening, and there have been bad things happening forever. And what Jesus is asking us to do is the kingdom of heaven stays steady. Can we say that together? Steady. It's consistent, a consistent pace. It doesn't freak out. It doesn't say, oh, impulsively, let's pull out the weeds. No, no, no. Stay steady. We are called to be on a mission here on earth. What is that mission? What's what Jesus said? The greatest thing, the great commandment and the great commission to love God and to love people, as, uh, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that he has asked us to do. That's the great commandment and the great commission. We need to stay focused and stay the course on those things. That's what the kingdom of God is like a question, three points and three questions this morning. My first question is, what's distracting me from focusing on Jesus? A lot of distractions out there. I think about Joshua, who was the second leader of Israel after Moses brought the people out of slavery in Egypt. He, he brought them to the end, edge of the promised land, but Joshua was bringing them into the promised land. And at the beginning of his time, his leadership, God told Joshua, stay focused. He said in, in 1, 7, uh, meditate on my word day and night. How do we stay focused? We, we stay focused on what the word of God says. Later on in chapter 23 of Joshua, he says this, repeats very same thing. So God told Joshua that, hey, uh, Think about my word, meditated on it day and night. And now this is Joshua at the end of his leadership, and he's passing this very thing on. He's saying, be very strong and be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. That's the word of God, the first five books, the Torah. Without turning aside to the right or to the left, do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. He, he's saying, hey, there's going to be evil around you. There are going to be people that are going to talk about their gods. They're going to talk about the things that they've done. But as for you, stay steady. Stay steady, meditate on God's word. Don't turn to the left or to the right. We need to stay focused on Jesus. See, 
if, again, uh, it were me, I'd want to just eradicate that evil right then and there, right? And say, Jesus, if you came, then, then why don't you just do away with, with all the bad? The, the, the reality is he's, he's going to do that when he comes again. He came not to condemn, but he came to save the first time. The second time, he's going to come to judge. He's going to separate the wheat and the weeds. Until then, we, his people, the people of the kingdom, we got to get busy looking for those fourth soil people. We got to be busy loving people the way that the sower sowed on that hard path. Some would say, that's wasting seed. And he's like, no, that's how extravagant my grace is for you. I love how J.D. taught us that two weeks ago in the parable of the sower. We need to stay the course because it would be easier to, to just pull ourselves off from the world and say, hey, we're, we're going to create a, a whole community where we're going to step out of the world. But that's not what Jesus prayed for as he was departing, ready to leave the world before his crucifixion and his ascension. He says this in John 17, my prayer is not that you take them, them is the body, his disciples, the people of the kingdom out of the world, but that you Protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. They're not weeds. They are wheat. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So stay steady. Weeds and wheat are to coexist in this time. We are called to be light and salt here on earth earth. And, and, and then what? Is it, is it all then going to come quickly and, and fast? I, I wish, but that's not the case. Jesus goes on to compare the kingdom of heaven to the smallest seed in uh, the Israelite land, a mustard seed. Here we go. Verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and the perch in its branches. This is the most anti-Texan thing that there is in the Bible. We believe that everything must be bigger here. I was talking to someone who was visiting uh, at, at the family night on Thursday. They were visiting a friend who lives here. And my first question was, have you been to the Bucky's gas station in New Braunfels? It is amazing. I mean, it is. It's, it's, a, it, it's massive. And it's the only place where you'll find that one. Apparently, they're big, a bigger one in Luling is what I hear. Anyway, we love that stuff here. And, and what Jesus is saying is, hey, my, my kingdom... My kingdom starts small. This mustard seed is a tenth of an inch. But do you know what happens when it is planted? It grows to be 10 feet tall in due time. And it does two things. It provides food and it provides shelter. It protects those that come under it. The kingdom of God provides protection and provision to all those that come under it. It's not the only time that Jesus spoke about mustard seed. He says this about mustard seeds in chapter 17 of the Gospel of Matthew, because 
You have so little faith. He's speaking to his disciples. He, he's rebuking them because a demon-possessed man comes into their presence and they're not able to cast them out. And so he says, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small of, as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Here, here's, here's, where I'm, here's where I'm going with this point. The, the kingdom of heaven starts small. Jesus started with three in his inner circle, 12 uh, uh, apostles plus the women that were around him. And then it turned into about 40 or so in the upper room after his ascension into heaven, multiplied to about 3,000 believers. And here you and I sit today talking about what happened over 2,000 years ago. Small beginnings are huge both for the church as a whole, but also in our lives. What small step of obedience is God calling you to take here? What is my next step of obedience in faith? The, the, the mustard seed is a small example of how when we are faithful with little more, will be given to us. That's what Luke 16 says. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. The, the truth is, is that for us, we like to make big decisions. You know, we pray for God's wisdom when it comes to a big move or a big job transition. But when it comes to spending five minutes in God's word every morning, what do we do? We, we, we just overlook those small acts of obedience and of faith. My friends, the more we are faithful with the little things in our faith, the more we will see our faith grow in the kingdom of God through us. We'll provide those two things. First for ourselves, our families, and those around us, our church, protection and provision. What, what, let's, let's read what that... Uh, Let's go back to that uh, verse about the mustard seed, if we can, the one before this. One more. Smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. That's what happens when we grow. It, it, it's, it, it, it takes small beginnings to grow that big. And is it fast? It's not fast. Man, this one's the hardest one for me because I like things now. I'm a millennial. <laughs> and, and I feel sorry for my kids because we're discipling our kids, you know, or your grandkids. I mean, they're seeing something that is ordered via a smartphone appear on the driveway two days later, sometimes one day later. They think that everything is now. They want to watch a show. They not only get to choose what show they watch, but they get to choose what episode on that show they watch. My four-year-old just says, that way, that way, that way. When I'm scrolling over, that way, that way, that one. No, not that one, that one. No, 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 that, that one, that one. Down, down, down. I'm like, boy, look. Before, 
You just turned on the TV and watched what was on. And when those commercials came, you didn't say, can you skip that commercial after the five-second little deal? You just had to watch cheesy commercials, whatever channel it was on. And for me growing up, things were overdubbed. So there was a latency when I was watching a show in Mexico, and it was being uh, overdubbed in English. It was just terrible. So we need to learn and teach these kids appreciation. All right, I'm, I'm done with, with, with that. It's slow. The kingdom of God spreads slowly. The thirst, this third uh, parable talks about a, a yeast strain. Verse 33, told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. A, a little fact about yeast Yeast converts sugar and starch when it's put in the dough into carbon dioxide and ethanol. That's what uh, is called anaerobic respiration. Aren't you glad? Again, you came to learn about hell and anaerobic respiration this morning at church. It transforms the dough in, into bread. Not only does it do that, but it enhances it so that it can feed more mouths. This 60 pounds of dough will feed over 100 people, all thanks to the tiniest of yeast uh, strains. That is the power of the kingdom of heaven. It starts small. It takes a long time. But when it comes to fruition, it is incredibly nourishing for those Outside, We bought a pizza oven last year for Father's Day or something really cool, uh, not that expensive. And the dough, I make my own dough. First, I bought the dough from, from you know, HEB, and it just didn't cut it. I had to make my own dough. And then my wife made the dough one time, and then I realized I was really picky about dough, and so she no longer makes the dough. I make the dough. And it takes time. It, it takes time to plan for the dough because it takes about four hours. And, and then uh, it takes, you know, time. Normally, our Insta culture is put a pizza in the oven. And then in 10 minutes, when it's frozen, voila, the kids can eat pizza. Four hours is a big... So I've learned a thing or two in this. And, and here's what I love about this parable. Man, if, if we want to be people of the kingdom, we got to recognize that with the kingdom of heaven... Things spread slowly. Things permeate slowly. And we're all waiting for something in our life. Some of us are waiting for that next thing. What is that next move, that next job? Maybe it's a next step in a relationship or something. The question is, is am I inviting God into my waiting? Am I inviting Jesus? Am I waiting with him? Because if I'm just waiting, that's real hard and frustrating because oftentimes my efforts don't yield the results that I'm looking for. But when I wait with the Lord, it changes my perspective. It may not produce the results that I want, but it transforms me and gives me the result that he wants through the waiting in uh, verse 31 of Isaiah, this is what the world does, the, the people of evil, the, the weeds. What sorrow awaits those who look to Egypt 
for help, trusting their horses, chariots, and charioteers, and depending on the strength of human armies instead of what? Looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. There's no better example than waiting on God and not than Saul and David in the Old Testament. Saul was the first king of Israel and Saul uh, uh, started doing really good in, in his kingdom and, and then he made a big mistake. He didn't wait for Samuel to uh, do a sacrifice. That's in 1 Samuel 13 and he, he paid the price. After that, Saul, uh, Samuel told Saul, hey, that's it, man, you, you lose. And then he kept getting worse after that. But then comes King David. And after King David becomes king, the Philistines are, are coming after him. And it's not up there, but in 2 Samuel 5, he asks God what his next step will be. Because sometimes we think that waiting is passive. No, waiting on the Lord is active. He may tell you, no, don't do that. No, don't go there. But in this case, he tells David, David waits on God, and then he says, go up, fight, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. The question is, is are we inviting God into our waiting, whatever that may be for us? If so, that is the way of the kingdom of heaven. Here's what happens when we Wait, Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And then Isaiah 40 says, even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does the kingdom of heaven look like? It is steady, it starts small, and it spreads slowly. Maybe one of these questions is for you this morning, maybe two, maybe all three. But I hope that we would contrast the way of the kingdom of God with the way of our world, the way of our nature. Because again, our time is short here on earth. Jesus will come back. He will deal with evil. Our job as the wheat is to love God, love people, make disciples, and advance the kingdom of God here on earth. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us through these simple stories, these profound spiritual truths that, that we need, God, because we can get so distracted with so many different things but I'm just grateful that you did not hold back, that you gave us your whole heart here in your word. I pray, God, that it would convict us this morning, that it would also comfort us, and that it would empower us to be your disciples, your followers. Thank you for every family, every person that is represented here. I pray your blessing over them, God, and also ask that any need that, may, that they may have, maybe healing physically, emotionally, maybe a, a, a restoring of a relationship. Father, I pray for your hand to be over every circumstance. Thank you for the opportunity to come to your house. Worship your name without any sort of worry. We don't take that for granted. And Lord, as we close our time, I ask that we would do business with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.